Hello, welcome, good evening. You are on with an intimate connection with Pastor Steph. And tonight is Sunday, March 12, 2023. Now, before we get started, we must go back to last week's edition of An Intimate Connection. And we had our minister, Billy Smith, on with us. And what a survival survivor tale, uh, victim to victor to victim series that we're doing. And it was an amazing, amazing journey into the life of Minister Billy and all the things he had experienced. He told us about, you know, coming from drug addicted parents and how he had to become the parent of the house. We talked about the interesting journey of the attempts on his life by his own hand. And, you know, when we left, we still had some kind of unfinished business. And I don't want to tell too much because, you know, coming from Pastor Steph, it's not the same as coming directly from Minister Billy. But I want to welcome you to our second second edition of An Intimate Connection with Pastor Steph. Now, this is part two. So, if you missed part one, unfortunately, you're going to have to catch this one and then go back. It's almost like when you read a book or see a movie and they take you, you know, straight to the ending and then they kind of flash back to what happened earlier in the story. And that's what our journey is going to be about today, but the biggest part of our conversation is the road to recovery. You know, I always like to say people always talk about how God has brought them from a mighty long way, but we really get cheated out of that testimony because people don't talk and really tell what a mighty long way truly means or where a mighty long way has really come from. So, We're going to get an opportunity, hopefully tonight, to get to all those questions we may have. Now, here's the thing. In our chat room, you are allowed to ask questions, just in case Pastor Steph doesn't ask or Minister Billy doesn't tell him. So, you know, he's, he's agreed to be pretty open. He told me last week. And I don't think it's going to be too rough on him. But, you know, he's going to, we're going to play this nice and, you know, interesting. Okay? So remember now, feel free to, you know, the chat room is open. So go ahead and put your questions in as Dr. Billy and I get our conversation on. And make sure you tell a friend that an intimate connection with Pastor Steph is on. Let us welcome our minister, Billy Smith, back with us again tonight. Hey there, Minister Billy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Thank you. I am well. Still kind of reeling off of your testimony from last week. You know, we got a lot of responses from your testimony, and everybody was like, whoa, whoa. Let me also tell you that I even got 
a couple of phone calls thanking the both of us. I, I wanted to, you know, I could thank you, Pastor Steph. But I got to thank you because you touched a lot of people last week, being as candid and as open as you were. So let's, before we go into the part that we may have missed last week, just give us a quick synopsis of what we discussed last week. Well, we went over trying to commit suicide 13 times. We went over me uh, parenting my siblings. We went over a lot. We went over a lot. (laughs) So much to remember. Um, We lived in our pastor's church house. We got evicted from that, from uh, the pastor finding drugs in the basement. There's a lot that went on. And I actually missed a bunch of stuff. I talked to my siblings, and they refreshed my memory a little bit. We missed a bunch of stuff. Okay. So tonight we'll get an opportunity to catch up on some stuff that we did not get to last week. Now, before we go further, we want to just kind of let people know when God says no, God says no. You know, you, you, you said 13 attempts. You had a knife at one point. You had a gun a couple of times. You swallowed some pills. You just really, wait, you tried to hang yourself a couple of times. So you really were determined to check up out of here. And, you know, when God says no, he literally comes out and says, eh. And, you know, that is something that is is powerful. And, you know, you, you said that you spoke to your siblings and they kind of reminded you of some things. So why don't you bring us some of the things that they thought you left out? Okay, so when I was about 10 years old, that's when we moved into the, into the pastor's house. Okay, so that's kind of when it all started. Around the age of 12 is when my parents started using drugs heavily. Okay. And that's when we kind of, it started to spiral. At the age of... This happened very, very rapidly, and I didn't realize that before, but it actually happened in the course of, let's say, eight years. Wow. Um, wow. At the age of 13, 14, I went to move with my aunt because my mom had been on such a long bender that my aunt took custody of me because we didn't know when my mom was coming back. She was doing a really, really bad time. It was horrible for all of us. So I went to live with my aunt. My siblings went to live with their dad or another family member, usually their dad. When I was around 15, my stepdad kidnapped the other kid. When I say kidnapped, I don't mean just another city. He went to Florida from Michigan. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. Um, I moved out around the age of 16, 17. Wait, wait, wait. We got to stay right there for a minute. So... He was staying with, they were staying with the family member. And Their dad, I think. Okay. And who kidnapped them from Michigan and took them to Florida? My stepdad. So it was all of our stepdad. We all have different dads. Right. So he ended up taking my three other siblings to Florida. Two of them to Florida. The other one he took, when he came back, he ended up taking her to another city. When my mom got the other two back. Wow. So so that was crazy. 
So how did they first find out that they were even in Florida? Well, they knew. They knew that it was a really long car ride, and my grandparents, at the, at his parents lived there. So okay. he took them to his parents' house, and they said, what in the world are you doing here? Where's your mom? My mom's sitting in Michigan, worried sick, but she was also on drugs, so she didn't know that much. Um, he did end up bringing them back. It, it was their dad, so it wasn't a huge deal. Legally, it wasn't it wasn't bad. They couldn't do anything about it. Um, wow. But that made my mom spiral really, really bad. Right. It made her, It went from bad to worse because now yeah. the three children are now gone. Now, what, what the, your dad, he was also on drugs when he took them to Florida? Messed up dead, yeah. Okay, well, okay, okay. And how did your siblings say that affected them? Did it scare them? Were they confused? They were confused, but they were also really young. So they didn't know what what was really going on at the time. Um, as they get older now, they're like, well, what happened? I don't understand why we were in Florida. So, But wow. it didn't really bother them too much. They're both really young. They're still kind of young, so it didn't bother them that much. So when they when they speak about it now and they're asking, you know, like what happened? How did we get to Florida? Why were we in Florida? What are they saying that they felt they feel now? Is it still a level of confusion? Would they feel like questions answered? What happened? Exactly? The questions not answered. They realized that the parents were on drugs at that time. Okay. And um, you know, they were a little. They're still kind of confused of why it happened and what happened exactly. Because I'm pretty sure my stepdad at the time, when he went to Florida, he got clean. Oh, okay. Okay. So at that point, they were having the time of their lives, most warm weather, animals everywhere. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. And I stopped you there, but you were saying at 16 and 17. That's when I moved out. Right. And that's when you moved in with your girlfriend's family. Yep. Yep. And then at 18, I came back. Okay, and you came back home to take care of your siblings again because your mom had again kind of don't yep. been. Okay, now I want to go to the girlfriend's family. I want to I want to stick a pin there for a little bit. What when you went to her and you told her because you said last week that you were very honest and you told her what was going on. What what was her family composition? Did she have both parents? What what was her composition? Household life. Similar. She had her mom, and then she had her stepdad at the time, and her brother. So it was was five of us in the house. Okay, okay. And was she shocked? Did she know your mom? No. Okay. So she's just hearing of this woman who's addicted to drugs, and her oldest child is her daughter's boyfriend, and he needs a place to stay. Yep. What do you think really made her say okay for you to stay there? Because you know when you're moving with someone's daughter, that that's the kind that's a hard sell. What do you think she really thought or said that, or you said that really made her say okay? You know what? I see this. You know, is what you're going through. Just come on. It took a few hours of conversation. I explained the entire situation with to her exactly what was going on and why I needed to go somewhere else. It took her a while to thinking, but she ended up saying, okay, you can't screw me over. If you're telling the truth, you're telling the truth. If you're lying to me, I'm going to find out. 
She just found out that I was telling the truth, and that broke her heart even more. Okay, okay. Wow. What else did we What else did we miss from the story that was not included last week? Um, there was one point where my sister, the kids never got along. They did. They just fought constantly. My sister has broken my brother's arm once. Practice had open once. It was hilarious. They were terrible kids. Hilarious. <laughs> but the crappy part about it is my mom never knew. So I was stuck taking them to the hospital, taking them to the doctors, trying to figure that out. At 13, 14, I don't know what I'm doing. So wait. So at 13 and 14 years old, you're taking your siblings to the doctor, and no one's asking for a parent? Oh, yeah. So what, well, what did you say? I had to lie my butt off. I'd say my mom's in the bathroom. I'd say she's in the other room. I'd say, oh, she has to sit in the car. You know, she's, she's in a lot of pain. She can't move right now. Wow. Early 2000s wow. for you. Wow. So you became real crafty at being able to kind of dupe the system so that they could get the care that they needed. Yep. Wow. Why do you think they fought so much? Kids. They got they got along when they needed to, but for the most part, they all grew up differently. So we all have different fathers. So it's a little different. Wow. Um, wow. Two of them have the same father. Me and the other one had different dads. Okay. So it's really again, confusing. I didn't meet my dad till I was 18. Right, and that's what you told us last week. Yep. Now, just to refresh our memory, how many children are there in total for those who weren't on with us Seven. last week? Seven. I didn't realize there were seven. What a part of the story did I miss? Three of them are my mom's. All four of us are my mom's, and then on my dad's side, I have three other siblings. Okay, okay. But okay, I don't. Okay. I didn't grow up with them or anything else. I just know that's the total number of siblings I have. Okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. I thought, thought maybe I missed it, but I, I did get it right. I did get it right. Okay. What else are your siblings talking about that affected them the most during this whole journey? Um, okay, so there was one point, and this has happened multiple times. My sister got sexually abused while my mom was there. In the house? Yes. Not in our house, in somebody in one of her friends' houses. And my mom wouldn't believe her about it. Wow. Do you think it was the drug addiction that made oh, her yeah. deny it? Because now that means I'm responsible and I'm more negligent than I thought. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How how does your sister feel about that now? Angry. She's still very angry, angry about it. They really haven't talked about it all that much. I don't think they ever will. Wow. Um, they kind of just brush over it right now because I think it would be a huge fight if they did talk about it. Wow. Wow. Now, you also mentioned that you were sexually abused and a brother, I believe. Am I correct? No, just me. Just you. Okay. Me and my so sister. You- and the sister. Okay, you and the sister. Now, the 
the person who abused your sister, did your mom know that person? Or was that person just in the house and was able to get to your sister? She was friends with him. Wow. Which is another reason why she probably denied it. Yeah. Okay, okay. And is it the, is it the same with you? No. Was someone... It was uh, someone in the family that got both of us, actually. Wow. W- was it the same person? Yep. He got me, my sister, and my cousin. Wow. So what, okay, so what happened with the cousin? Did the cousin tell at that time, or did the cousin tell later? Later, after they found out about me. And how did they address the cousin, the cousin's abuse? Uh, they didn't really do anything about it which kind of causes a lot of issues with the family now because there was nothing done about it and it still bothers her a lot, obviously. Oh, it's a female cousin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, yep. how has... Okay, so when you told, did, did they believe you? Yeah, the police were called and everything. It was a huge scene. Okay, I remember that part. Okay, so you, you I remember you saying you just went to the and you had to kind of tell the story over and over and over again yep. and that's why you ended up also becoming addicted to drugs. Outside of the drug addiction, has that affected you in your adult life, the, the, uh, the sexual abuse? Maybe not trust anyone, especially men around kids. It took me a long time to realize that not everybody's out here to hurt somebody. Wow. So, Wow. Um, obviously, you, women can sexually abuse kids too, but you know it's way more popular for men to do it. So, have you have you been able to confront your abuser? Yes. And what what did you say? I forgive you. Wow. So okay, wait. Okay, Pastor Steph loves details. Okay, so where did you see the, where did you see the person? Was it in public? Was it at a family reunion? Where were you? It was at a family event. Um, his mother called me, asked for permission if he could come, and I said yes. And at that point, I we he apologized as much as he possibly could, and I said, "Listen, I understand that you're sorry, and I get that, but." I'm never gonna forget, but I will forgive you. But I'm not forgiving you for yourself. I'm forgiving you for myself. I have to move on with my life. I can't keep holding on to this. Wow, wow. And that forgiveness has liberated you how? Just with the sexual abuse encounter. How has that liberated you? Because that's part of the road to recovery that we're gonna gonna get to. So it doesn't I can sit here and talk about it now before I couldn't. Okay. It would, I would get anxiety. I would get stressed out. I, I just couldn't talk about it. Oh, okay. Okay. What about your sister and your cousin? Have they been able to speak no. to this? No. Wow. They will not. They refuse to. And I don't blame them. Okay. I was the only one that talked to them. Wow. Okay, wow. So, we, we, is there anything else you want to share before no. we start talking about the actual road to recovery? I don't think so. Okay, okay. So, you know, last week when we spoke, I said to you, you know, 
well, what happened? And you said, well, first of all, you said you went cold turkey and you did not go into a drug rehab program or anything like that. Am I remembering correctly? Yes. Okay. Now, excuse me. Some people clearly need it, and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. And some people can do it, you know, of their own free will. It's a struggle, I'm sure. Now, when you decided that this last attempt uh, was the actual last time, and refresh our memory, what was the last suicidal attempt? Gone. The gun. And that's when the gun did not go off. And then when you actually pointed it away from yourself, it actually went off at yep. that point. Okay. And that was your sign that God was like, okay, yeah. I'm showing you. I want you here. Okay. So I asked you, what did you do? You said you opened up your Bible. You fell to your knees. You started praying. What was the next step for you? Because, you know, we, we, we have all gotten to that point. All of us who have been delivered from our sins and given our life to God, we all got to a point where we fell on our knees, we, you know, said, okay, God, I'm giving it all to you. What what did you do after that? Did it, did you kind of sink back into another zone and then after a while there was a slow climb? What happened? I went to church. Um, they had Wednesday service. I went to that Wednesday service and I talked to the pastor about what had happened and how I was feeling. And he kind of talked me through it and he gave me a lot of options of how to be okay. And he helped a lot and, you know, he's not with us anymore, which is horrible for me. Okay. Um, But he was an amazing man. And that was the pastor? Yeah. Okay, I was a pastor of the church. So he welcomes you. He advises you. Now, do you join that church? Do you yes, that was the church that we had been going to when we were living at the house. That was the same church. Oh, so that was the same church where they yep. found the drugs in the house? Yep. Okay, okay. And was that the same pastor at the time? It was. Wow, okay, okay, okay. So now he gets an opportunity to be your direct counsel. As an, as an adult at this point. How yep. old were you again? I was 20 or 21. Okay, okay. So how was the journey initially? Because right now, you're not just talking about just giving your life to God. You're talking about trying to remain free from addiction. How did that go? So it all started when I was either 13 or 15. My mom got into the NA, which is the 12-step program. And I would sit in the meetings and listen. I never really spoke. I spoke once, and I ended up crying for over an hour. Um, and that's where it all started. It gave me the idea that even if you are addicted, you can quit. I became a drug addict right around that time. And I, I still, even as a drug addict, would go to these meetings and listen to other people's stories. So as I got older... Around the, around the time my son was being born, I quit. I had to because I'm bringing a child into this world. I cannot be on drugs while he's around. Okay, okay. So it took a lot of discipline, a lot of praying, a lot of hope because I felt like I couldn't get through it. I was 130 pounds, 6'2". Ooh, 
Okay. I was scrawny. I was a skinny little thing, but I was popping 30 to 40 Vicodin a day. Wow. Wow. And drinking a, drinking a water bottle of vodka. Wow. So mixing all of that stuff, you never, there was never no adverse effect on your life, even in doing that, the mixture? No. I mean, yeah, wow. to a point, but I, I just didn't. I went to school like that. I got expelled. Uh, after I got out of school, I kept doing it. After a while, I realized that I can't keep doing this because I wasn't eating. That's why I got so skinny. You can't eat on that kind of thing because you're too, you're stoned out of your mind. You don't know what you're doing. What were you like? What were you like? Describe what you remember. Everything moved. The walls moved. The ceiling moved. I was real shaky. Um, I couldn't eat anything because it would just make me sick. I would lay on the floor and watch the ceiling fan for hours. And then a couple hours later, I would throw up. And, okay, I have to ask. That was enjoyable, Minister Billy. No. No, but if I didn't do it, if I didn't do it, I got violently sick. Okay. Violently, to the point to where I thought I was I was gonna die. I literally felt like I was gonna die if I didn't hurry up and take some pills. Wow, wow, wow. So you would have to you would wake up per se in the morning, and then that that would be instantaneously what you would do. Yep. Now I pop Vicodin, I drink a little bit of alcohol. Okay. And I go on go on about my day, and I hit it well. If I kept it at a certain level, nobody would know that I was doing it. Okay. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know, the question is, yeah, there I go with the question. Because, you know, as a person who grew up around drinkers, and I saw how things just flipped, and they went from one extreme to the next, mm-hmm. I, always, and I always would sit back and, and say, and y'all like this? This is fun? I just never, it was just the most puzzling thing to me. So that's why I had to ask you when you say, you know, okay, so I laid down and I watched the ceiling fan for hours. And so so clearly the Vicodin was like a downer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, okay. But so, if you mixed it with alcohol, it was more of euphoria. It was euphoric. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, so you go to the church, you speak to the pastor, now you join the church, and now you're you're following, you know, what the guidelines of, you know, living for God is. And So once you gave up cold turkey, did you ever relapse? No. So actually, I went to church, I did that, the church one time. I didn't go back. Are you serious? Yep. And I really regret the fact that I didn't go back because he died four years later. Wow, wow, wow. So he so gave me that now? advice. I, I listened to it. I followed it. But I never went back to the church because I was too guilty. I felt way too much guilt. Why did you feel guilty? Because he's seen what my parents did and he's seen me doing it. Oh, he knew okay. our family very well. So the fact that he watched my mom and my stepdad do it, and then all of a sudden their oldest child is doing the same thing, it had to break his heart. Wow, wow, wow. 
Okay, so you said I was disciplined, you know, and we all, we, this is some kind of discipline, especially without a spiritual foundation underneath you to support, you know, your journey. So, you know, for people who need that discipline, Minister Billy, what, tell us what you did. Did you stay away from these type of people? Did you stay away from this type of thing? How, you know, liquor stores are everywhere. So even if you didn't get the Vicodin, you would still be able to get the vodka. So how, what was the discipline um, steps? What did you not do? And what did you do? But those who say, oh, I just can't seem to shake this thing. I can't seem to get this under control. What did you do? I felt the exact same way. I felt like I couldn't get rid of it even after I was done with it. But I prayed a lot and I stayed distracted. I was working at the time. I would pick up odd jobs. I've been a mechanic for a numerous amount of years, so I would work. I would go out and work on cars. Then it would keep my mind busy to where I wouldn't do anything. If you're doing something very intricate, doing the wiring for a vehicle, you're not going to think about drugs or alcohol because you're so tied into that vehicle. If you find a hobby and you can stay distracted, that's perfect. My mom does hobbies now. She was making board houses last year. Now she's wow. doing puzzles, I think. Okay. And okay. that's what keeps her clean and so but you gotta keep your mind busy. And if that doesn't work for you, try the twelve step program. And if that doesn't work for you, try the sixteen step program. There's so many options out there. Wow. Wow. So you only went to the programs when you accompanied your mom? Yes. Okay. And if I can remember last week you said that mom then took you when you got to a certain point, mom took you herself so that you could actually, you weren't there as like a bystander. You were actually there to get some help. Yeah, and I refused it. Wow. Okay. Because I had, listened to these, I had listened to these stories so long that it made me feel like these people weren't being honest because I would watch them sit in the 12-step program do the meetings, talk about what talk they were doing, and then go outside and smoke a cigarette. Or drink coffee. And kept drinking the coffee, kept drinking the cigarette. So in my mind, they gave up one addiction for another. Maybe not as bad, but that's kind of that. Okay, okay. Now that, now that you, you, okay, so now you reflect back on what you thought about, you know, well, you're outside smoking cigarettes, so now you have a new addiction, or you're outside drinking coffee, so now you have a new addiction. How do you feel about that thought now? Do you still feel that way? No, I thought it was irrational. Everybody has a vice. I drink energy drinks almost every day. (laughs) You know, everybody does something that helps them through the day. Okay, okay. All right, so you you got yourself uh, in, in... Growth and you embraced hobbies and you kind of focused and channeled all your energy and your thoughts there. At what point did you try God again? Did you try church again? Um, around the time my son was born, because that's okay. when God called me in, in the ministry to help people with addiction. And what oh, was and the that's... call like? What was the call like? It was. Me seeing signs throughout a couple, it was about a week's time. And I kept getting messages on Facebook, and I kept getting phone calls. My mom would call me and say, hey, this person wants your help, and I don't know why. And it was somebody with addiction thinking I could help them. I had no idea what I was doing. 
But then I kept answering the messages, and I saved maybe five people from staying in that. Wow. So I said, all right, God, now I see what you're doing. Okay, I'll start the ministry. I'll see what I can do with it. I started it in 2016, shut it down for two years. Why? Because my dad died in 2017. Okay. Once okay. he passed, I couldn't do it anymore. I was too, I was way too far gone. Okay. I never relapsed during that time, though, which I'm still very proud of. I wanted to, but I felt like my dad just died from that. Why would I go and do that and kill myself? Okay, okay, okay. So at what point, so you dropped it for a couple of years, why and and how did you pick back up on church, God, faith? 2020. COVID hit, kept hearing the news. This person's getting, you know, you keep seeing it all over Facebook. Man, I don't have nothing to do. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do drugs. I don't have anywhere to go. I can't do anything. I'm locked in my house. At that point, I said, somebody, you know, these people need help. That's when Saints and Sinners Ministry came about, and that's why it's open today, because we started helping people in 2020, and we have not stopped. I'm getting several messages a day. I just finished the website, so, and I was wow. trying to, just like we were talking, I tried to change the name, can't do it. Okay. My pastor okay. gave me a verse of why why to use that name. You want to okay. hear it? Yeah, sure. And it spoke to me. He was telling me about it yesterday, and it spoke to my heart. Where is my name? It is Mark, I think, chapter 2, verse 17. It said, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. That is so powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. What does that mean to you? That no matter how bad of a person you think you are, God still welcomes you. God still loves you, and he will help you through anything you need help with. As long as you say, Jesus, I need your help right now. Please come into my heart and save me. Please forgive me of all my sins. Please help me lead my life through your path. You're forgiven, and he will show you. But you have to keep that faith. Amen, amen, amen. Was there a time in your journey... Where your faith kind of sank or plummeted? Um, when my dad died. All right. I blamed God. Okay. What did you blame God for? Taking my dad and my stepmom that I only knew for eight years. Okay. Okay. And what did, how did God respond? He brought me back out of the darkness. After, wow. it took about a year. And I remember laying there, and I was just, I felt okay. I felt peace. And I prayed, and I said, thank you. I needed that. I haven't felt this in a year. I haven't felt any kind of peace or any kind of anything in a year. I didn't feel anything. I was horrible at that time. Wow. Wow. So what do you think was the most powerful part of that road to recovery. Finally having the power to say no. It took so long because when you're an addict, all you want to say is yes. Hey, do you want to try this? Yes. 
Hey, do you want to go out with me me for a drink? Yes. Wow. And once you're clean, you can go, no, I don't. I don't want to do that because I have better stuff to do. (laughs) Amen. Wow, wow. What do you want to tell people? You know, I always, on the broadcast, I always say, I want you to talk to the listeners. I want you to talk to the viewers tonight. And we're talking about the road to recovery. You've talked about how you sank your teeth in, and then when your dad died, all of that just kind of went up in smoke, and then you kind of got back on that trail again, and, you know, now you, you saw God's purpose for your life, and you have that testimony of the up and, uh, you know, the up and down, of the in and out, the on and off. What I want you to speak to the viewers, and I want you to speak to those who really feel like, again, like we said a little while ago, I can't do this. And it doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be anything you're addicted to, any behavioral pattern that, that's just not good for your life. What do you want to say directly to them? No matter what you think you're going through, and it doesn't even have to be an addiction. It could be your mental illness, your anxiety, your your depression, something's bringing you down. God will take you out of that. All you got to do is ask. No matter how you feel or what you're addicted to, you, you have the power to stop. God gave you that power. It's free will. Use your free will. Get yourself out of that situation. Reach out to somebody to help you. We help people every day getting out of this. There's churches all over the country. Find a good church, Bible-based church. Talk to the pastor. Tell them you need help. They'll point you in the right direction. Okay, okay, wow. Minister Billy, where can they find you or get in touch with you? We are on Facebook, Saints and Sinners Ministry. Um, We are also accepting donations right now. We want to do a benevolence one. There's a couple churches around here that are really struggling. We want to help them out. So if you want to do that, it's Cash App, Saints and Sinners 13. Um, we also have a website, com, and you can email us at saintsandcentersministry at gmail.com. Okay. Wow. Well, I can't say thank you enough for your part two. I think this was just as intense as part one, believe <laughs> it or not. It was, it, it was an amazing um, comeback part two, an amazing part two, and I can't thank you enough for your, you know, bravery in just telling people, you know, what, you know, what you did and how you went, you know, through it or whatever. Before we go, tell us about mom now. How is mom doing? You said she's busy, she's moved to puzzles, but we want to hear how mom is doing. She is struggling. Um, right now, she is dealing with pancreatitis. Okay, wow. Really, really okay. bad. Um, she is a brain aneurysm survivor. Wow, so wow. She went through one heck of a time. Crazy surgery that actually made the news. Wow. Um, but she's surviving. You know, she's doing good. She's staying clean and sober. Uh, she yeah. won't stop smoking cigarettes, so everybody pray for that. <laughs> Tell her to stop. She needs to. Okay. Um, okay. But she's around. You know, we have a good relationship now. I did forgive her a long time ago. And she apologized for it. She said, I know that I might not have been the best mother to you, but I was still your mother. 
Okay. And I understand okay. that, and I got that, and I said, you know what, Mom, you're right, I forgive you. And I love my mom. That's my, my one and only mom. Of course I love my mom. Right, right. I'm glad she got out of it. Amen, amen. You know, a lot of people have problems with mom. You know, yep. mom didn't do this right. Mom didn't do that right. Mom didn't, you know, hold me enough. Mom didn't, you know, tell me she loves me enough. Many, many issues people have with their parents. And, you know, please encourage them. You know, please encourage our viewers that, you know, we talk about forgiveness. For those mm-hmm. who may have missed it, you know, we have about a minute or two. You know, please encourage, you know, people to just, you know, love mom. Embrace mom. Mom may have been doing the best she could with what she had been given. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's my word to a lot of, you know, my my congregants, you know, because a lot of them, you know, they talk about their mom and the negligence they experienced and felt. And I say to them, I said, you know, when I think about it, I don't think we realize that they didn't have a lot. You no. know, they came from parents who didn't talk parents who didn't love them the same way, you know, yep. we want to love our children. And my so mom was 16. Wow. Okay. okay. My mom was 16. She didn't know what she was doing. You know, I grew up with my mom and that's why we were really close. As I got older, you gotta, you gotta forgive your mom. You only have one in this life. No one's going to replace your mom, but nobody's also going to make you feel the way you feel when you're around your mom. You feel at peace. So even if your mom puts you through the worst time of your life, talk to her about it. Bring it up in a conversation and say, hey, this is what you did to me, but I forgive you. Let's move on and have a great relationship. Amen, amen, amen. Minister Billy, this has been a phenomenal experience. I'm inviting you to come back with me to this, you know, on my, you know, the Word Prayer Project. If you will, you don't have to, but if you want to, you're more. You know, than I will. <laughs> all right, to That's come my back. favorite. Oh, all right. Last week, Doctor Minister Billy, we talked about you know how holding on to God and how to hold on to God, and you know it was a wonderful prayer time. So I'm inviting you all back tonight. Uh, I gotta get. I gotta look at my notes. I gotta look at my notes. I wanted to focus completely on Minister Billy's story. So tonight we're coming back and we're praying for trusting God through the hard times. Oh, and, I love that. You know, uh, Minister Billy has just you know given us a word about that. So when we come back, you know, we're going to encourage one another in in the prayer room. Listen, I'm giving you about 15 minutes to go call a friend. Go text a friend and let them know that we're about to start praying. And how many of us can identify with, you know, trusting God through the hard times? And um, Mr. Billy has just gotten finished giving us two weeks of, 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 of letting us know how we can trust God during the hard times. So I welcome you back. At 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, we'll be back, God said, <laughs> to now enter into the prayer room. So make sure you tell a friend. Make sure you get your stuff. Go get your snack. Go to the bathroom. Get your water. Do whatever you need to do so we can come back and now pray together. See you later.